All right, everybody, we are live. Thank you, listeners, for checking out another edition of Alumless, our web series and podcast. It's great to have you back with us. Uh, if you're tuning in, you are probably interested in engagement strategies and educational advancement. That's what Chris and I do. Chris Marshall, the man sharing the screen with me, is... Oh, let me pull down our marker here. here there go. he is. You <laughs> got to actually pull down the little promo slide and introduce Chris. Hey, Chris, what's going hey, on? Hey, Ryan, how are you? Good to see you. Happy Friday. We are back in the saddle with a great edition of the podcast. Uh, as our listeners know, Alumless is a CMAC production. You, sir, are the leader of CMAC, but we do have some other consultants on our team. We ought to uh, bring some of them on the show from time to time, but um, we've got a growing team at CMAC and we love talking about these topics. We're broadcasting live Friday, April 28th, 2023. Thanks to all of our listeners that are tuning in and making this web series part of your week. Uh, we've got a great show today featuring Adam Compton. He's the executive director of annual giving at NC State University. As always, if you have any questions for myself or for Chris or even better for our special guest, Adam Compton, go ahead and use the comments section of the LinkedIn event so that we can see your comments. And of course, we'd love it if you just introduce yourself, let us know that you're listening and um yeah, uh, have some fun with us here on the show. All right. So, Chris, uh, it's Friday. You see Pete's comment. Had- he just starts it off with a KC, Kansas City Chiefs dig in the first comment. <laughs> oh, man. What kind of, what kind of, what is he doing out there? Home of the NFL draft world champion, Kansas City Chiefs. For the listeners who have been listening for a while, know that uh, Chris and I are both Philadelphia fans, long standing. So, uh, it does hurt to bring up football at this moment, but uh, <laughs> we got the draft coming up, right? Uh, isn't that this weekend? So yeah, they already have their first excited. pick. They got a good one in in Philly. Oh, who was the first pick? Do you know off the top of your head? It's for a different. It's, a different it's a for a different web show. Yeah. No, I I can't help you there. That's not my expertise. <laughs> it's a different show. <laughs> Josh, tuning in to keep Adam honest. I love it. Different draft picks. Um, but, uh, so you, we were in Denver together yeah, last, yeah. last week. That was fun. It's always a chance to get to hang out and did a fun project with our friends at the university of Denver. And then you were back again in Colorado f- twice in the same week, which I don't yeah. know, that's kind of a, an aggressive move, but you had some fun with the, uh, USOPA group and yeah. uh, even hanging out with a bunch of Olympians. How did that go? <laughs> that's what I tell people. It marries the two things I love the most is, uh, elite sport, which is my previous world in athletics, uh, and the sport of Olympic swimming has my, been my love and passion. And then I'm now alumni. So the Olympic Association for the United States Olympic and Paralympic teams uh, was the project. And they had the reunion. And I had a series of meetings around that event. And it was the coolest thing to be sitting in a room with 300 Olympians and uh, their guests and just, you know, rubbing elbows and talking about their future strategy about alumni engagement. They have, they have 6,000 former athletes that have the opportunity to interact with each other and support current athletes. It's a very similar parallel between, you know, an alumni organization at a college or university with current students. It's the same exact parallels. They're trying to figure out the best ways to engage that population and support team USA, the current athletes. So it's been a lot of fun. What a great project to be on. I've been honored to do it. Totally. What a great project to be on. And I love how like the alumni engagement concepts transcend higher education works for alumni associations. And some of the even really similar constructs exist, like trying to help 
the people on the alumni board trying to help former athletes transition into the work world after spending all these years, you know, uh, working on their sport. And then it's kind of like a big change, kind of yeah. like college, right? Graduating and then you're in the work world and it's totally different. And the network is so important to have. But um, I'm sure that was a great project. It's not. It's less so about giving, though, right, Chris? Or that particular project, although it is included. In, in It'll probably, you know, the, the circles will overlap a bit there, but not like it does in higher ed. For them, it's more about the, you know, the, helping other athletes transition out of sport and and supporting yeah. them, alumni in their own lives. But it, it'll touch giving a little bit. Right, right, right. But you know, obviously, in advancement shops, you know, giving is uh, sort of the name of the game in many respects, and. Uh, we want to talk a bit about annual giving today. It's a it's a big topic. I think it's an evolving topic. It probably doesn't get the kind of coverage that you know it deserves in terms of how it's growing and changing. But when I so when I say annual giving, what what comes to mind to you? Like what are the sort of top of mind thoughts when you think about annual giving? Just riffing here a little bit, you know. Yeah, the first two words that come to my mind when I and you're giving, I think of Adam Compton. So <laughs> glad he's our guest. But the, the next word that comes to my mind, um, unfortunately, is you hear it a lot from VPs and boards and trustees, even is rankings, is the the impact of annual giving percentages on rankings. And no, not every system uses it, but the big one does. US News and World Report uses the two-year rolling average of undergraduate annual giving as their alumni satisfaction rating and to me, that part's frustrating. It's too much emphasis on the giving part. It's got to be others. Now, we're going to talk to Adam. He'll probably like the emphasis on it. But, you know, what I'm hearing, you know, in terms of trends in our industry on this topic, and we'll, we're going we're gonna to pick Adam's brain on this exact stuff, is that, you know, pretty much that we're seeing dollars going, holding steady or going up is what I hear from a lot of clients right now. Um, donors staying steady or dropping slightly. But, of course, your alumni number is growing. So what happens is percentages percentages are going down. So the the measurement of alumni giving as a as a rating of an institution is a frustrating thing to try to measure, and I think it's rare air if a school can get to a point where they're growing. Although I have a few clients who are percentages are growing uh, in annual giving, but it's a hard battle. It's a really hard battle where you have the guy here who can tell us all about it. Yeah, and it's one of the four case engagement yep. metrics, yeah. right? Yeah. Like experiential communications, volunteer, and then there's philanthropy. And I guess in my mind. Right. The that's what we're talking about is yeah. that fourth uh, stool yeah. of the alumni. The one of four is the right balance. When it's one of one, yeah. all about giving, it's the wrong. It's out of balance. So I like that we've added experiential volunteer and communications. But let's bring our guy in and talk about that. Number all four. Right. That sounds good. I like it. All right. So let's bring to the stream today our special guest, Adam Compton. How are you today? Doing well. How are you, Ryan and Chris? I hung that's my hand for you, man. Wolfpack. Saw it. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you all for having me. We're, we're glad to have Adam on the show. I know lots of folks out there in higher ed land know Adam. I've met Adam um, a couple of times now. We presented together at the Washburn McGoldrick Client Conference last year. And I attended actually uh, the a conference you put on, Adam, back in January, the uh, ACC Annual Giving Conference. It was well attended, a great group of uh, annual giving professionals descended upon NC State University, and you put together a really awesome uh, couple-day conference with lots of great topics. As as you were thinking about that conference now in the in the wake of it, what are some, some of your big takeaways from the conference in terms of what's on the mind of annual giving pros out there? 
Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that I enjoy most about those type conferences is the ability to have conversations to hear, like, we're not the only ones struggling in certain areas. Um, and so as you think about, or like, where are people seeing success? Um, and how does that really balance between everything? And so, you know, some of the things that the fellow kind of people at my level were talking about was staffing. Um, how do we keep and retain staffing? How do we, um, it's, it's a tough job market to hire people. Um, but also looking at this really weird year that we were having. And so we spent some time looking at some numbers and stuff and that when you looked at the end of last calendar year, you had, you know, record high inflation, you had people still paying, you know, whatever, $6 a dozen for eggs, those kind of things. Some of the things we're still seeing today and everybody was a little bit like, yeah, we're in that boat of like, we're seeing for us, it was donors below the $250 level eroding. Um, like what does, you know, donor retention look like for those donors comparatively? Um, you know, and when's that going to turn the corner? Um, and, and so just starting to kind of see, okay, like, what are, what are you trying? You know, that's what I love about this industry is to be able to pick up the phone or jump on a Zoom these days and have a conversation and say, well, what's working for you? What's not? What are things that you're doing? And um, so that was the, the best part about that conference is just really trying to hear what strategies people are going to be deploying going into um, the rest of this fiscal year for those of us that are in a kind of a June 30 or other pipeline. Yeah, lots of great topics, you know, talking about students, philanthropy challenges, right? We'll talk a little bit more about that later. There's the marketing aspect of annual giving, right? Sort of the tactical ideas. There's donor engagement concepts, I think, built in around different audience segments and then relationship building around campus. You know, there was really good topics as annual giving is often a, a team that is really tasked with developing relationships across the university and helping uh, colleges and schools and units with their campaigns. Uh, great to, to see so many people tuning in and saying hello. Christina from NC State, your colleague. Barney up in Canada. Got uh, Jocelyn in Miami. Uh, Pete, Shane. You got a Kim. fan club on here, right? Adam. <laughs> These are all Adam Compton fans. Yeah, I know. There's no the doubt about this that. industry. <laughs> Um, so, Adam, let's talk a little bit about some of the tactical innovations that you and the team at NC State have been making in order to reach some of the significant goals you have for donors and dollars. What have you been trying? What's been working? What's had an impact? I mean, I think, you know, the easy thing that it's fresh on my mind is Giving Day. And we can talk more about Giving Day as a day of giving here in a second. The other is really how do we break out of this mold, this assumption mold um, that I talk about a lot of like we assume that uh, because you graduated from X college, thus must want to support X college. We're moving more into a, a modern data infrastructure that allows us to really start to understand what your interests are and what your passions are. And so, you know, I think one of the areas where we're going at NC State is this, uh, we recently merged our alumni association and alumni relations team with the annual giving team to be under one strategy. And I think the long-term potential of that is to really start to meet people where they are and understand those interests. And I think that's going to be what taps into, you know, I've always heard, you know, working in higher ed, like, oh, if you're passionate about something, there's somewhere that you can support. Well, we have 7,000 funds. How do we put that in front of everybody that we have to start being more personalized? And so we've invested in uh, marketing automation tools that allow us to start to take people on journeys and drive them based on their last interaction to the next interaction. Some of those type of things, I think, as we, we think about our next CRM world, I think all that's going to continue to increase. 
Yeah. And all that connects deeply with your content strategy, right? I mean, you can't assess people's interests without creating, publishing, sharing, and tracking the themes around the content that you're creating. And uh, to understand, okay, this person is in, is engaging with our scholarship-related content, and therefore we're going to engage them around a conversation around scholarships or other themes, um, which I love thinking about. It's uh, one of the fun challenges. But Chris, we, we often have discussions with VPs, AVPs about technology, right? And increasing the alumni participation rate. It's fair to say the how is complicated. A lot goes into it. That said, how do you summarize how engagement teams are thinking about the challenge of increasing the alumni participation rate? Yeah, I, I think it starts with, um, and steps one, two, three, and maybe four and five are all in the same category, which to me is the internal partnership between the broad-based alumni engagement strategy and the broad-based fundraising strategies that Adam oversees. And the fact that NC State moved to the model that Adam just described I thought was brilliant in the first place. Took took a lot of courage for Brian Cisco, the VP, to do it, but I think he's done the right thing. And they're still in. Adam, you can tell us more about it, if you want, but I would say they're in growing pain stage a little bit right now, early stage still, trying to figure out how it all comes. Trying to hire a, a, the counterpart to Adam on the alumni side, so they got a little ways to go here. But I think it's a place that that can give it a long term effort on this, not do it for two years and then change course. We got to go after this for five, 10 year window. And I think, I think NC state's the place to do it. And I can tell you right now, out of our 20 some odd clients, Ryan, that we're working with half of them are either in that model or thinking about moving to that model. So it's, yeah. it's, it, it, I know it's been a trend. It came and went and came and went, but, but I think we're at a point now where people are realizing the value of that broad strategy, throwing communications, tracking what people are interested in and keeping all that data into one in one place in the CRM. So then we go ask people, we're asking them for things that are relevant to them and they care deeply about. That's the way to do it. And it starts to me with the part, you know, think about your role at your institution. The folks that are on right now are listening to us later on. Think about if you're on the annual giving side, think about your alumni engagement leader and vice versa. If you're on the alumni engagement side, think about your annual giving leader. And is that somebody, in my opinion, it should be one of your, if not the closest friend you have, colleague that you have on campus. And if it's not, it's a problem. And what we find in a lot of places is that the posture of the alumni program is to lean away from the rest of advancement and not interact and to get them to lean in. And then the two of them to really collaborate. I think that's your answer. That's step one, two, three, four, and five, in my opinion, because everything else flows from there. Um, I may be oversimplifying Adam, but love to hear your reaction to that. Yeah, no, definitely. I think, you know, um, if I were to add to that Frank group, I would add in advancement services because yeah, of, exactly right. Uh, <laughs> you know, there should be you know a group, and even more so in this day and time, communications that all these pieces have to work together to make this ecosystem yep. together to where we get that three hundred and sixty view of an alum and um, or friend. I mean, I think we're doing work in friends, we're doing work in parents, and you know, I think as you think about how you get more people investing and thinking about the university, it's going to be important to meet them where they are. And, the, and there's this, these roles that sort of sit in the middle of the engagement side, the giving side, and they're largely digital roles, right? Uh, I see my friend Kim Infanti on the, the yeah. Zoom and, you know, it's the executive director digital engagement within an advancement shop alumni association are connecting the pieces together, right? Uh, the communications and engagement pieces together. Um, we could talk about this all day, but... Adam, lots of schools for uh, we would talk about annual giving days a little bit have been a key component to increasing the number of alumni and uh, stakeholders across campus, right? Different groups. 
What have you noticed about the giving habits of alumni and others, whether giving days are still a good way for alumni to make a gift? And have we seen any changes in your mind in this in around giving days or they continue to get bigger and better? Well, you know, um, for my friends at Purdue just locked up a $110 million day. So, um, you know, I, I think uh, they, they will tell you, and, and for us, we saw, you know, our largest number of gifts ever that results in largest number of gifts in our five years of doing a giving day. You know, for what we're seeing, the strategy that we're deploying works. Um, we continue to see new donors coming in. We see donors reactivating. We see our donors upgrading throughout the day. But we also have a very big major gift drive component. It's that strategy of all the pieces coming together with our comp side that make these days extremely successful and have drivers beyond just dollars and donors that we're able to further the brand of the university. We're able to excite our campus um, around all the different pieces of, of philanthropy and bring campus together in one strategy. And so there's so many pieces. If you try to just look at a giving day as like, one key component that is is solely based on success, like you may achieve that. But there's so many other pieces downstream for us. You know, I know um, there there's a post on LinkedIn I was reading this morning and was kind of bashing giving days. And I, I would argue, like you know, looking at our giving day, it goes against everything they said. You know that it does rise in December, um, and you know December. You know, if you look at the two points in the year, it's December and and Giving Day is the time when our donors are really most activated. Um, having this ongoing conversation with them and moving that around, it makes it, it's just amazing to me that continue to see that success. The, the competitive side of it too, Adam. We were talking right before we got on about uh, the Purdue success. They just had 110.8 million dollars, and and there's some competition that goes on pride in winning those internal things yeah. and having that number, right? Yeah, I mean, it's that is there's an we have donors that call us out of the blue and say. I want to see my college, my department, whatever it may be at the top of the leaderboard. Giving days unlock a different type of donor a lot of times, I will say. I think it appeals to them because they can see the power of their gift. They can see what their gift can do to drive it. And so that's where we get major gifts really to play in. And that these donors calling in and saying, look, I'll do a million dollars because I want to see this college win. And that's, wow. um, or he's saying, you know, hey, Chris, we've been, you know, Chris, I, I know we've been talking about this gift for a long time. Let's go ahead and do it. And, and that like milestone, I think, is also and that that competitive spirit. We love to, you know, I will say is it's probably as much external it is as it is internal. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know that it, it motivates our development teams. It motivates everybody to get out there and um, really try and work to to see success of the day. It's interesting how campaigns really motivate, you know, it's still whether it's long term ones or, or ones. And, and I think, you know, I there was a post of maybe the one that you were thinking about. I saw that, too. And the one thing I saw mentioned was what about even smaller campaigns around more specific designations? Right. Maybe not an annual all full, you know, every designation giving day. But what about just for specific areas and really kind of building out an infrastructure to have more micro campaigns. It's an interesting thought, you know? Yeah. And I think that is where, as we think about what do we want a donor to do um, throughout the year, we've moved away from, you know, I, I still have annual giving in my title, but I'm like, it's not really annual giving anymore um, because we want this year round giving these habits of yeah. supporting multiple areas across campus and unlocking that potential. And so where you can come up with these, 
these sprints, basically, is kind of what I refer to them as. Like, we're going to yeah. do a week-long yeah. sprint around this idea. You can start to get people engaged in multiple areas. We look at we took our donor from our last campaign, our, our principal gifters, and they were all pan-institutional donors. Um, but can we create? So my thought is like, can we create these habits while they're still in that starting phase that they're supporting four or five areas across campus? You know, my my dream donor in the annual giving space has a recurring gift, and then we're motivating them to come back and support their passion areas um, throughout the year. Maybe that recurring gifts to their college's enhancement fund. And then throughout the year, something we're doing based on the data they're telling us. So they're attending DEIB-focused events. Can we motivate them through a, a week-long sprint to come back for a DEI project or a crowdfunding project throughout the year and get them to really build some of those habits that we know go on to be principal gift donors and increase people's giving. Their donor retention rate goes up, all those different things. Yeah. We, we are, for the folks listening and watching, we're officially off script, which is my favorite <laughs> part of any alumnus episode. Um, I'm going to go, and, and Adam, just so you know, there's somebody, it doesn't say the name, but it just says LinkedIn user uh, predicted that Adam will beat the $110 million watching. So so no pressure. <laughs> Brian will make sure he gets that message. Too, say, don't, don't send this to Brian. <laughs> Resenda <laughs> and Brian should know that the prediction was made. But I want to ask you a question about giving day. Rewind just a little bit. One of the things you said that occurred to me, as as you were saying, is Purdue's been doing this for 10 years, you said? And they do it on the same day every year, roughly? It's like a... Roughly the same, like, Wednesday of the of April. Yeah. Do you think that's important, that consistency of getting sort of training those donors to, to get to the point where they know that's coming and they're going to be competitive around that time to help prove their college or whatever the ranking is they're trying to... It becomes to a tradition, right? You know? Yeah. It's a tradition. I think we what we have to combat a little bit is like, I think it makes us really think about some of our messaging. And if you do a spring giving day every single year, for example, I think it makes us think about our fall messaging a little bit stronger that we have to be even more motivating in our mm-hmm. messaging so that, you know, it, what, what, you know, and we saw this, we punted on a giving day um, during COVID and said, we're going to pause and think about doing this later. All of our numbers took a hit because so many donors were waiting for giving day. Um, and so how do we balance that and really make sure we're being compelling in our messaging and our strategies that the fall is about getting donors in the door, about getting donors in the door so that it's really about second and third gifts even sometimes with day of giving. Hmm. And I was just thinking to myself, I'm a monthly donor to my alma mater. And when every year when giving day comes, I'm like, uh, I already gave this month, you know, like I don't need to do like another gift. However, if they came at me for something that I care about, a specific sprint for a specific designation, I'm like, okay, you know, that would, that feels like it would be an easier thing for me to do personally. I don't know, but an interesting thought process. Well, calling out the University of Richmond annual giving office, please send <laughs> Ryan okay. a solicitation. More solicitations. About- <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's what I need. You're right. Uh, but only about something I care about, right? Just so you know, it's got to be relevant. All right, um, Adam. We wanted to. I wanted to ask you about. You know, we've had a lot of conversation about AI now in mm. our space, and good a number of posts out there. Advancement leaders, consultants, sort of wrapping their heads around the implications of Chat GPT and in future AI. As an annual giving person, I think a, a lot of the impact will be in this area when it comes to writing responses and stewardship and content and, and the communications that we're using, how are you thinking about it? How has it sort of crossed your mind? And maybe was it part of the conference discussion? I just wanted to hear your thoughts on it. I mean, I think AI in general is going to become a larger part of our 
business in, in going forward. I think, um, you know, chat GTP is fun right now. Sometimes, you know, I, one, one of my favorite stories is one of my uh, new members of my team. We asked him to work on an appeal for one of our programs and he went to chat GDP, plugged in a few idea, a few things into it. And it spit out like a good starting point for him to think about where and what things, you know, one of my uh, other colleagues, you know, put in what, what does it take to have a successful day of giving? And it was surprisingly accurate. Some of the things that it was able to pull in. And so while I think there's these like fun stories right now, um, I think there are real op- opportunities as we think about our infrastructure investment, um, as we think about how we get more personalized, how we get more predictive. If we can get to that system where we are really starting to capture the 360 view of our alum and letting AI start to predict what um, Ryan might be passionate about, we can start to tease other things in front of him. And so it's putting engagement opportunities in front of him and letting him raise hands so that Richmond can know, oh, this is what he's interested in. What I, you know, my long-term vision in some ways is to move away from, you know, these mass marketing appeals where we're sending out, you know, a piece of mail to 50,000 people and letting the data point kind of drive the ongoing conversation with people where yeah. you're taking people down a journey. And I think AI is going to play a big role in that because in order to do it right now, scale it, it's right? so labor intensive. And, yeah. you know, and even our marketing automation platform is we're investing in it. It's very staff heavy. It's very, you know, it takes a, a lot of people, a lot of time to map out, you know, a 50 step journey event, you know, cause once you start breaking things out, you're building, you know, a bunch of emails. And so it's, I think there's some opportunities. I, I joke, I'll, I'll say this, I joke with my brother, my brother worked in the political world for a while and did a lot of email. He always joked with his developers that like one day he's going to be replaced by, um, you know, some sort of automated, uh, you know, writing from a system. And I don't know if we'll fully get to that point, but I do think there's opportunities to really think about how we can build those follow-up communications and let AI help predict those next steps. I'd rather have an AC than AI. (laughs) Adam Compton. (laughs) I thought thought you were saying the air conditioner than AI. And it's like, I don't know, Chris. That's kind of... I'm an Adam. Yeah. Uh, Cool. Well, let's... As we wrap up this episode, maybe a broader question, Chris, over to you about essential elements of any annual giving program. As you sort of yeah. think out there, like what comes to mind, even just sort of. Um, from I think we, we hit on all of them. Let me, I'll summarize yeah. them. I, had a, I wrote down a few points and we literally hit about all six of these. So the partnership piece, the annual giving, alumni engagement with all the other pieces, IT, communications, all those other key partnerships. You need a CRM system. Um, that, that does what you need to, to track all the things we need that we're doing that I'm describing. Uh, one we didn't talk about is I, I do think that our major gift principal gift officers need to play a role in asking their prospects for high level leadership annual gifts every year. Um, and that's hard for some major gift pros- officers to do so. Uh, segmented targeted communications, making it easy, making it personal. We just talked about that literally. And, um, you know, getting them to give to what matters to them is, I think, the, the the key that we're trying to find for all of this work. So we've hit on all the ones for me that I look for when I when I first make an assessment of a program. That was a good recap. Adam, any, would you add anything to Chris's list that we hadn't hit? No, I think, uh, you know, I, I think leadership buy-in, I, I can't yeah, talk enough one. about it. And looking at the long-term picture, and I think is also an incredible, important part of that. 
And you have that from your super, Roshanda, your supervisor, from yeah. Brian, your v, vice chancellor, but all the way up. I've seen your chancellor playing the guitar on the thank you videos. You know, it's that kind of thing. Also wonder about the philosophy of, you know, I feel like some schools are really ask heavy. Hey, uh, give this gift, sign up for this event, give us your time, like give us. And you need to sort of counterbalance that with like providing value through the content that you're sharing, right? Not always trying to convert for a gift, but have an ongoing dialogue with alumni and what that balance looks like in terms of the way that you're sending out communications. But well, we're going to power on to our second half of Alumnus with Adam Compton. We're going to talk more about annual giving. We're going to get into some more of the topics around annual giving. Regular giving, maybe not annual giving. We've already decided that maybe annual is not exactly the right word, even though everybody sort of knows the word annual and identifies the work through when we use that word. Uh, but Chris, all right, who are we going to be featuring as our special guest in two weeks? The, our next guest is none other than the University of Buffalo's Thomas MacArthur, our client and friend and colleague who oversees both the annual giving and alumni engagement program at the University of Buffalo. Yeah. So we're going to still come up with the right topics, but he oversees a combined shop. And it's going to be interesting to hear from him following what we just talked about with, with Adam. So. You yeah, Buffalo, it's Buffalo is his alma mater and a lot of interesting, unique challenges uh, with um, uh, there. We've been doing some strategic planning work with, with yeah, Thomas the other piece so that I think we should talk about with him is and we've had this come out. Another is the complexities of a large public university. Yeah. <laughs> you live it every day Adam, at NC State, but but he, he's leading this shop. It'd be really interesting. He's got a situation where they have and like you do at NC State, Adam, is. They have alumni officers in some, if not all, the colleges that were all doing their own thing. And here's the central program he oversees doing his thing. And he's trying to yeah. streamline all that. So that'll be part of our conversation. And all those decentralized alumni people have alumni associations, right? Yep. That are yeah, right, separate. Right. <laughs> like add another, another challenging aspect. But we'll talk with Thomas next week about that and more. But um, yeah, 30 minutes went by super fast. Thank you everyone for listening, for tuning in. And uh, we'll be back again in two weeks. See you on the podcast edition. And uh, it's great to have you. Happy, <laughs> have a good weekend. I noticed, before. Adam, you and I's shirts were similar. So. Oh, that is I call Chris every morning because I want to be like him one day. So um, and ask him what he's wearing today. Yeah, both very closely aligned blue, pinkish plaid shirts More going purple. on. Very Friday feel. Very it's, it's good. <laughs> All right, everybody. We'll see you later. See you in two weeks. Bye. All right, everybody. We are back with Adam Compton. Adam is the executive director for annual giving at NC State University. And Thank you, listeners, for picking up the podcast, listening to the bonus section. Uh, we enjoy having this extended conversation with our special guests, keeping those LinkedIn shows nice and tight. Uh, as we were discussing just moments ago, it goes by so fast, you feel like you just start you know, scratching the surface on some of these topics. So um, let's get back into it. Adam, to for follow up on the idea of... Um, Talent, I think, is is one of the things that you described. One of the challenges a lot of alumni uh, annual giving shops are facing getting folks into this particular space. I wanted to ask you about it because, um, and, and perhaps leading into that, what gets you the most excited about this work? If you were to pitch annual giving 
to a student or a recent graduate about what you love about it and what would be in sort of an inspiring uh, sort of narrative to get a student interested? And we do need to do that, right? We need to get more young folks interested in this as a career, as a, as a pathway. What would you say? I think the thing that is most exciting about annual giving is your ability to, to test theories and to be that scientist to a certain extent and say, like, this is a hypothesis I have. What does the results look like? And to create these opportunities, I think that's part of it. I think the work we're doing in annual giving is also providing critical funds for the universities to support honestly, our most pressing needs. It's oftentimes that unrestricted cash that when a student walks in and says, I want to go and I've gotten the opportunity to interview for X scholarship. I have to fly across the country, but I can't afford that flight. A dean or someone else can say, all right, here's those resources for you to fly across the country. And so I think there's that balance of like, not only this industry where you can make an impact, you can on both the work that you're doing but also the way in which you go about your work. And the last thing I would add is just like the collaborative nature. It literally, as I you know, have worked in this industry, we've called people and they've sent us snippets of code or whatever it may be, where you may not get that in a for-profit world where you're, if Coca-Cola were to call Pepsi, I'm not sure Pepsi would say, hey, here's how we ran the marketing campaign and how we saw success, which I think finds them very unique in that ability to collaborate work with others for a greater outcome. Yeah, there's a great community around what we do because we're not so, you know, hyper competitive with each other, right? And there's a lot of sharing around the different things we've tested. Um, we, we remember when we had Howard on the call, he talked about he had worked in three industries. Howard Wolf from Stanford, he said the first one was real estate, one was tech, I want to say, but he said one, everyone was honest, but they would share nothing. The other one was, Every, everyone would share everything, but they were completely dishonest. <laughs> and then when he gets to alumni engagement, they shared everything and they were honest, <laughs> which was really a nice way to think about. Well, what are what are some of the, the younger folks on your team? What do you have them do? And do you have interns on your team? Do you have like sort of the entry level positions? You know, how do you sort of set up those roles um, and manage your infrastructure with that? Yeah. So one of the things that uh, is pretty new for NC State that we've launched this fiscal year is a career ladder. Um, and so we have two parts of that ladder. Um, right now, the first one is really kind of major gift focus in a lot of ways or our frontline fundraising focus. And so on our leadership annual giving side, we have three level positions on the team where people can get in and see what it's like to be to do that frontline fundraising. They're doing a little bit more, definitely doing more high volume. They're digital fundraising officers. You know, it's heavy calls, heavy Zoom. It's those type of things, but they can see that capacity to what does it look like? Where am I in eight years? Where am I in 10 years at this university? And so for us, I think that is a really exciting opportunity on the frontline fundraising side. I think it's also going to help our ability to build a more diverse workforce so that we can be intentional about bringing people into the career and start to build them up and support them. I, I think if you talk to Brian, heard Brian say, you know, before, you know, I don't want NC State to be known as a place where you have to move out, move out. And this is the career ladder is a direct opportunity to say, here is your opportunity and here's how you move up. Fundraising space. We're thinking about it other parts of the organization. We've got a little bit on our marketing side. And so for us, we also have started building a, a third team within the annual giving team. So we've got our leadership annual giving team. We've got that traditional marketing team. 
And then we have these, as we centralize some of our annual giving operations, we have these people that work directly with the college and units. And they're off, you know, this may be their first career or their second career, but it's a great way to see the entire annual giving ecosystem and start to they do some project management, they do some development of campaigns. They're, it's a great way to really see that and determine like, does this what I want to do? I think we've also got some people that have been working in annual giving for 10 years plus. And I think that's a critical component that any infrastructure has to build is that annual giving is no longer the entry point in working in advancement, that there are people that are going to make careers out of working in annual giving because it's gotten to be so much, it's gotten to be so much more sophisticated in the way that we have to operate. I think that that's right. Like it's, it's a different era for annual giving with so much complexity around the technology and the testing and, you know, there's so much more to it now. Um, it's sort of why I asked, because it's, I think it's a fascinating area of our space. So that's obviously something that you're working on at uh, North NC State. What are some of the other areas that you sort of are are trying to work on in, in terms of improving the program? Where are you thinking the, you know, the holes are and, and are trying to fill them? Yeah, so I think there, there are a couple components to this. One is the um, as we think about our next campaign, how do we start to build and grow the pipeline for the university? And so we looked at and saw, so there, there's like the long-term play here around building for that next campaign. We saw mid-level was a big opportunity for us. That was the result of growing the leadership annual giving team and some other pieces. I think as we look at other opportunities, we were talking about in the first half of the show, is this alumni engagement, annual giving, what is that merger and that really cohesive communication look like. I think as I talk to my team, you know, we've built a lot of things in kind of the bubble of annual giving and not really said, how does this look at and impact larger campus? How does this integrate other communication strategies? And so I think that's also going to be very critical that we figure out because the last thing I want, but what you were saying earlier, Ryan, is that some every time somebody sees a communication from NC State, they're thinking it's another ask. How do we provide value content that they're opening the communications that we're receiving? You think about email, for example, that where the algorithms are growing and to our earlier point, AI is going to play a role in this is if you're not putting out content that is valuable to the end user, you're going to be sent straight to promotion, inbox, spam, that I fully expect that, you know, these are the things you want to read. These are the things you don't want to read one day. Um, and if you're just sending out asks or, or things that people aren't clicking on and interacting with, you're not going to be able to break through. And so I think even as simple as that, there's, we've got some content out that people want. And then they, that they, when they receive a communication from NC State, they're excited to open it because they know there's value in it, even if it's an ask or something else. To me, that is the central challenge for university advancement offices is, okay, so where does all that content come from? Are we going to create all of it? Are we going to source it from other people? Are we going to hire freelancers to create it? Is What medium is that content? Are we focused on short videos? Are we focused on... Uh, what what is it like? What is the content that was going to drive that participation, and how do we get it in an ongoing way? Right, I think is an interesting challenge. My, my, For sure. my, my one word answer to that is is part of the answer. I should say there's a lot to it, but curate and not create. Curate is the easier way. It's just to create all that from scratch is nearly impossible. But curating is also a challenge. The matching up the content with the interest. 
same time. So, Adam, I want to. It's got to come, come from somewhere, right? right I exactly, mean, it's yeah, coming yeah. from an internal source, or it's got to come from a source that you are, you know, curating alongside with. There has to be a scheduling process, sure. right? It, yep. It's got to be sort of a, a project management component to it. You know, what, let me throw Adam. We're off script again. Um, uh, <laughs> one of the things that on. ends up <laughs> that ends up in the category of you know, mixed messaging or institutions that have a membership dues program for their alumni association. And NC State has just made a decision and announced it publicly that they're going to eliminate the membership dues program, both annual and lifetime membership dues program. So this is a first for NC State. Other schools have done it. What impact will that have on you? Were you an advocate for this change? Does it help with your messaging to have this piece out of the way? Any What what are your thoughts on it overall? Yeah, I think it, it creates a real opportunity for us to start to how do we want an alum to really or a friend whatever that may be to interact with the university and you know while alumni associations had their place and maybe at some institutions do have a place I think at NC State really about passion and we're not really getting any of that information when somebody's joining the alumni association. If we can start to get them to support their passion I know that we can increase their giving. I know that we can increase their engagement and bring them down the engagement funnel. I think there's also the mixed message, mixed message that we heard from so many people when we did surveys and others of, well, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to give $50? Do you want me to be a donor? Do you want me to join the athletic association? Boosters. What, are, what, are, what are all these different pieces? What, what do you want me to do? And we had to be careful about words like renew your gift out of fear, it would confuse people more. And so I think there's an opportunity to really simplify our messaging and to really kind of align with how we want people to raise their hand and work with us. But um, r- real quick follow-up, um, what has been the impl- or the response from your donors and dues payers? Has there been much? Whoa, what's going on here? <laughs> I think we were prepared for that kind of response. You know, we had talked about, you know, do we have, you know, staffing schedules for the phones and some of those type of people? I think for the most part, a lot of people understood it and said, you know, but, you know, there was pieces. It wasn't, at least from my understanding, um, I only got a couple kind of communication. They were concerned about, are they still going to get their magazine right, or some right. other piece? Very practical. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Now, let, let, let me go ahead, Ryan. No, I was just going to say, isn't that funny? Just making sure that the things that I had been expecting right. <laughs> are, are not going to way. And if they're going to change forms, what does that look like? You know? Yeah. It is fascinating to watch. And other institutions are watching NC State go through this process. And we all watched Ohio State, one of the first ones to do this several years ago. And many others have gone the same path. And some have you know, merged more into an integrated advancement model, but kept their dues program. There's lots of other situations out there. I'm going to put us back on script and ask you this, though. Uh, when we first started preparing for this uh, webinar, we talked with you about uh, alumni annual giving, and you said, no, I'd rather talk about a broader context. Um, alumni, parents, friends, uh, students, faculty, staff. What are you thinking about when you when you, when you you forced us to push it to a broader set of, uh, of constituencies? What's on your mind there? I think for us, as I think about what the institution that I work at and like our goals are so baked around, yes. Alumni are a big part of that, but there's all these other pieces of the puzzle that we're not solely focused on APR. You know, it's, we actually don't, um, you won't find a report that my team puts out to campus that includes APR. Um, And Mm. 
you know, and some of that is to what you're talking, we've talked about before, you know, that denominator is always getting bigger. We're focused on how do we grow the pipeline? How do we grow support for key areas and programs? Uh, and how do we, yes, and, and the easiest audience is often alumni, but we have such a great, because we are a land-grant institution, the opportunity to talk about the work we're doing across North Carolina and bring more supporters and friends and parents to the table and our students and build that culture of philanthropy all the way around. That's that's what I really enjoy working on. I think I would be, if I was in a shop solely APR focused, um, you know, and it's part of the reason I've talked to universities is that we're trying to prove me at one point and said, you know, we're, we're APR focused because we want to get to this. And um, I think you be careful when you, when you think solely about APR as part of your program. I think it encourages you sometimes to think about how do we slip that gift in there and play some of what I call APR games? And so um, yeah. I think that's, you know, part of what I enjoy about my job is that I get to focus on these other grants. It does make it a little bit more difficult. You can't talk to a parent the same way you talk to a student or an alum or a friend. Um, definitely required for segregation and more work. I, I, I was on a task force when I was at Cornell and it was all coming out of the board of trustees saying we want to increase our giving rate. We're at X, we want to get it to X plus. And we had a little task force put together. And we, we first meeting, we came back and said, do you want denominator decreasing strategies or do you want numerator increasing strategies? <laughs> so, do you want us to play games? Do you want us to you know, increase? And the, the message back was, we don't want you to play games. We want you to figure out the way to increase the numerator. So that was the nice thing to hear. But you know people do it in our industry, right? Yep. If you had unlimited resources to do whatever you want, I'll throw in two things, right? It's it's the blank check and magic wand. You get rid of all the political BS that's in the way and the check is blank to do what you want. What would you do? Something you would like to try that you haven't been able to do so far. I think there is a lot of opportunity around bringing together our entire messaging ecosystem. Um, it, It would be expensive. I think there are opportunities to, you know, to test AI in terms of large data and utilize some of those things that, you know, that for-profit worlds are using to analyze sentiment analysis on emails and, you know, and what people are responding to and can you build a persona that, you know, these type of people respond to these type of things. Those are things that are very, right now, very expensive, um, are very, you know, untested in our world. And so it's, it's tough to make an argument to a vice chancellor or whomever to say, Let's go test spending a million dollars on building this out. I think we'll 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 get there. But also that that technology, I think at NC State is a highly centralized institution, you know, multiple foundations. We're doing a lot of work to bring things together. But there, you know, we we don't I, nobody can seem to tell me. And I think it's a it's a running joke a little bit of like, how many different groups are sending out emails to our alumni and how do we wrap that around? And it's not just advancement. There, there's there's a, there's a business case for a lot of units to be communicating with alumni. Imagine if we brought that into one ecosystem to at least understand um, and bring that together. I think there's a lot of power and to drive that AI, to drive those different things, to really start to see every time we send this kind of story, Ryan's clicking on it, or every time we're engaging with Ryan, here's how and why, and then to be able to drive our communications from there. Be great if somebody took the leap to do that. Well, one interesting thing I was I was noticing that um, Jay Dylan and the team at Cal Berkeley are doing is 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 uh, they've announced it you know publicly, so I can sort of say is they're 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 doing a large RFP to support essentially a new ecosystem where uh, everything is behind a 
login, right? Where whether it's ordering a transcript, whether it's volunteering, whether it's signing up to be a mentor, like all of it is about capturing interests as well as contact details, no matter what it is. And I actually wonder what that that data layer that's required that we need to be accurate in our just getting communications to people. Wondering is like, is that not the first place to invest, right? In in one way or another of of being successful is just reaching more people, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, it's an interesting. We could talk at length about these things. But so Adam, when it comes to creating a culture of philanthropy, particularly among students, and I recall this being a pretty important topic from the ACC conference that you put on. What do you think are the best and most effective ways to get students thinking about giving to their school over the short term and their alma mater over the long run? I mean, uh, what we see on our campus is that our students are extremely philanthropic. They they support our local children's hospital with the Krispy Kreme challenge. They take over our brickyard and build shacks that they support, Shackathon that ultimately goes on to support Habitat for Humanity. I think so we know they're philanthropic. We know that they're supporting these different areas. Um, you know, group life is raising money for all different kinds of things. But we've got to convince them that the university is also a nonprofit. And there are opportunities to support their alma mater and their university in a way that will benefit students around them, that will benefit you know, things that they care about and they're passionate about. But I also think where we have to be very careful and, you know, we're still trying to figure out, I'll be honest, we're still trying to figure out how to the state is, what does that peer outreach look like? And not just me as, you know, somebody graduated NC State far too long ago now trying to tell them what they should be passionate about and do and those kind of things. And let instead have those peers that stand up and say, hey, these are things you should support. I think, you know, where I want to move away from is some of the the give to get. We do philanthropy board, some of that, those kind of things where it's, you know, we're basically for a $20 gift selling support somebody where graduation and while we appreciate it and our hope is that we can steward them they go on to be you know lifelong donors we also know that that entry point at twenty dollars to get them to 180 dollars takes a lot longer which is that magic number for us of like donor retention and some of those kind of things to get them to the thousand dollars longer can you say that one more time? That's an interesting thing. So at $80, you pretty much... $180. $180 for us is that magic kind of number that we know that like, okay, donor retention rates go up. Um, you know, they, they accelerate up the pipeline a lot quicker. Some of those type of things. And if you start at $20 and, and go up, you know, $5 a year, it takes a, a lot longer to get there. Um, and so it's, uh, you know, and that's... But I think it's an, it's so much about education it's a and it's expensive it's gonna it's not gonna be cheap to um do this and, and that's for one of the things like i'm excited about our opportunity our alumni ambassador program really strong program they've done you know there's the tradition keepers of camp they put on homecoming they do all these amazing things having the ability to work with them now is this kind of one team model and say so like what, what are the things that matter to you and let them help in educating students about philanthropy is going to be really exciting um and I think a big opportunity for us. You know, one hundred eighty dollars yeah. is fifteen dollars a month. Sure. Do you have a recurring giving program that you have, have advocate for? We do. Um, we don't have like a formal kind of. We're testing some different things around it, trying to grow it. You know, we know in higher ed that it's not um, what you know. We I think anybody would really love to see. I think there's a few universities out there 
The universities that seem to have a recurring giving program locked down, it's their first ask. Um, I've heard rumors of some universities that get you on the phone and say, hey, Ryan, um, love for you to sign up for a recurring, for to make a gift to the university if you're recurring. And if you're like, well, I want to make a one-time gift, they're like, sorry, the only thing we can offer is a recurring gift. Um, and, you know, and they've been able to really grow their uh, program. We want to continue to grow that. I think we've got to build some more infrastructure around it. Hmm. Matt, is it philosophically turned like turning down a one-time only gift? Um, <laughs> crazy. Not something I would do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seems like a seems like a tough one, but let's talk a little bit more about partnerships. We talked about Giving Day and partnerships, and there's a ton of uh, partnership development that goes into making a successful Giving Day. Uh, when you think about the most important collaborative efforts the annual giving teams, alumni teams need to be focused on to make sure all the pieces are in place for a philanthropy-focused engagement strategy so everyone's moving in the right direction, you know, what are you thinking about? I think there are um, our college and unit partners. They're in the colleges every single day working with their professors, their students, and they see things that we normally don't that we often don't see that, you know, we, in alumni, our annual giving, we were separated from that a little bit. And so, you know, our professors, they have a lot of relationship with alumni and they're bringing them back to classes. And so I think that's one part of this ecosystem that's important. I think the other side is how do you manage the grassroots and the grass tops? And that, you know, for us, giving an easy thing to point to and say, we've got a chancellor and vice chancellor and others that are, that are believers in it and supporters of it. And they help from the top down really push that messaging. But then what do we what can we do to make things simpler for our campus? So we do a lot of things with toolkits and town hall and let people plug into them in different ways. That not everybody is going to be able to have somebody that devotes 40 hours a week to thinking about giving day, but are there a couple things that an administrative assistant to a department head could do to support giving day in their department and a in a very decentralized place like NC State. And so I think partnerships are, are critical to all work that we do. Um, partnerships for communication. We are probably the largest communicator on campus. We at least send out the most stuff. Um, and so if we're not on brand. If we're not on message, we're hurting the brand in the message. And so having that, you know, I think is also really important, that kind of partnership. And, and it's a give and take partnership that we have to be willing to say, okay, we're going to step away from this and not send this out based on what's going on or what's happening. But then also saying like, okay, where can we integrate the app? They're producing this really great content. Where are there opportunities to curate that content and reuse it, repurpose it? Can we add simply add a giving box to this story talking about the amazing work of our food pantry and some of those kind of things to where somebody can raise their hand and meet our people and integrate that messaging across. So, I think really annual giving in a lot of ways is about partnerships. Yeah, I think that's totally right. Well, we're uh, at the point of the show where we need to sort of wrap things up. We all have uh, other meetings to go to at the bottom of the hour here. But our question that we like to leave guests on over the weekend till the next alumnus is to end on inspiration. Um, what For you personally, professionally, uh, where do you find inspiration that keeps you motivated to do good work that you do? Yeah, I mean, other than Chris Marshall and Ryan, um, you know, 
I, uh, to me, we love I, it when our people use us as their inspiration. <laughs> it's not the first time, Adam. Don't worry. Yeah. Um, my peers across the country, the, you know, I probably text or have some sort of communication with, you know, Howard at Berkeley or um, Heather at Miami or you name like the ability to say, what do you think of that? What are your thoughts? And like, so that's definitely some of the inspiration. You know, I'm, I, uh, I'm reading a case book right now. Um, which I can't tell you, I, the name completely drops my mind, um, but it's, you know, there's these different, you know, I also think conferences, while everybody can't go to a conference every single year, when I encourage a team member to attend a conference, it's not only what can you learn, it's who can you meet that's doing your job, and how can you further the message and the brand of the university so that you can build that ecosystem. I've only ever worked at NC State, and so the ability to understand how other people are doing the job and to get their thoughts is so powerful for me. So, you know, that's part of my inspiration. That's part of my ongoing learning. It's why I like doing things like this to give back because, you know, I learned a lot from webinars and other things about how other people are doing things. And, um, and so that's, that's kind of where I get some of my inspiration and some of the things that I, I read and listen to. Awesome. That's great. I, You're I also find... supposed to throw in wife and kids in there, Adam. So yeah, you... <laughs> no, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Wife and kids included in the inspiration uh, category. Well, I think we'll end it there. I totally agree that the people in our space are the inspiration and there's everywhere you look, there's new ideas being tested. You know, sometimes we're not as fast to those new ideas as other fields or industries or the private sector, but I think there's so much opportunity in our space that, uh, and people are really enthusiastic to continue doing great work. So, uh, well, for Chris and for Adam, I'm Ryan. We're going to go ahead and sign off this week's episode of Alumnus. Thanks for listening. And we'll be back in your feed in two weeks time with uh, Thomas Mitharker, McArthur. Jeez, that was a terrible sign off. I should just start <laughs> over uh, from the University of Buffalo. All right. Bye now. See you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you.